that team might only be good at engineering. And even when you go into engineers, they might only be good at back end and not yeah. front end. They yeah. might only be good at front end, not back end. They might only be good at branding, not UX. Yeah. There's so many nuances to all this kind of work that, I mean, there's a reason we have 75 people and trying to replace all that with three people in house, not to mention retaining those three people. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. When business think of upgrading their capabilities, they might feel that they need to hire an agency that can help get them off the ground. Or they might feel that internally they might be able to manage the majority of work. But the reality is that to be successful with e-commerce platform implementations, you need several resources with different skill sets. They spend years sharpening their craft and it's very hard to match this expertise with internal resources. So how to approach the right mix for the teams in planning the digital transformation journey? In today's episode, our guest, Isaiah Bollinger, discusses how to approach e-commerce initiatives for brands. He also discusses how the needs for different size of the company may be different at each stage of their life cycle. Finally, he discusses how to build the hybrid team with the right balance of internal and external talent. Let me introduce Isaiah to you. As co-founder and CEO of Trellis, he helps businesses grow by enhancing the information technology and online marketing components of their business. He has created a very strong team of highly skilled engineers that can develop small WordPress sites to some of the largest and most complex e-commerce sites on the internet. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hey Isaiah, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been, I don't know, maybe over a year since I last joined uh, the, the roundtable we had a little while ago. Time flies, my man. We have had COVID and it's like five years right now. We are probably in downturn. So it's <laughs> fun times, yeah, I guess. <laughs> it, it's been an interesting, I mean, yeah, since COVID, since 2020, I mean, we had the crazy downturn, then things spiked back up, it opened up, and now it feels like we're kind of going into... I guess I would say almost like an overdue recession. I remember in 2019 thinking like, you know, we're kind of due for a recession. Like it's been, you know, 10, 11 years. And now it feels like I think we're kind of there where whether it's official or not, I know like the official government numbers don't say we're in a recession, but it feels, let's feels talk about how many and how, how long <laughs> is it going to be, I guess. Right. I mean, see, we have like yeah, recessions in mean, like last three years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like um, it, it, it feels like a recession, right? I feel like we've been yeah. in it since, honestly, Ukraine, since inflation hit. Yeah. 
you know, because even if growth is there, you know, costs are up. So like, you yeah. can't, it feels like your money just doesn't go as far. People yeah. are scared to spend. Certainly there are industries that are doing better than others. Like, you know, there, there are going to be industries that'll win, that'll grow and that'll win in this recession, right? For whatever reason. But overall, I think from talking to mo, I mean, I talked to a lot of industries, agencies, you know, we're obviously a digital agency. Yeah. People, people are feeling the down effects. I mean, every day on LinkedIn, Alphabet to lay off 12,000 people. That's the first thing LinkedIn it says on my LinkedIn right now. So, you know, I think it's going to be at least through this year. But I, the problem is, is it this year or is it one to three years? Somewhere, I can't, I'm not, no, I'm no, no guru. No one knows, right? Like yep. the, the real uh, amount. I think it's probably going to be anywhere from as little as six months and we get lucky and the second half of the year gets good. Yeah, to as long as three years, and it's just a slow kind of. If it's a, if it's a longer recession, I see it as more of a long mild recession, or we see even a bigger downturn followed by kind of a fast faster rebound. Not sure which is better. What, what whatever That's it is going to be, it's not going to be fun. I can tell I you this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like any downturn, though, I think uh, there's always opportunity, and, yeah. and it's an opportunity for for like a lot of really good companies came out of the last. Yeah. real recession out 2008 2009 so i'm trying to stay optimistic and think about it that way <laughs> yeah that's what we can do i guess at this point of time yeah, yeah. so let's uh let's do the official intro i guess and i don't know i know that you have appeared on many different podcasts but there are going to be people who might not know it at least in my listener group so do you want to talk about a little bit you know who you are how did you yeah, uh, start trellis um, give us a little journey there yeah, so I'm Isaiah Bollinger, uh, the CEO and founder of Trellis, uh, started it pretty early on, kind of worked briefly in marketing and then just saw an opportunity to go out on my own. And it's always something I've wanted to do is kind of do my own thing. And yeah, uh, the backstory is um, it kind of has come full circle. I started out almost more marketing, somewhat full service, but very broad, quickly realized, you know, young and experienced that being really broad was really hard. Yeah. And it was hard to do everything well. And I kind of fell into uh, e-commerce and then Magento, uh, yeah. experimented lots of different platforms, found a really good technology partner who is a better developer, two, two developers better than myself. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> and I was always going focus. to be somebody who's going to be better than us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I was focused more on the sales and marketing and project management and yeah. some development, some yeah. engineering, light, light engineering, you know, front end stuff, not like yeah. crazy complex back end stuff. And so um, we we doubled down on Magento and that that we grew, we kind of uh, matured, figured out what what we got a little bit smarter. And then over time, we we actually went more and more back to full service. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and now really right now where we are today is becoming we're actually going to be launching a new website, not not complete overall, but like, you know, it's called a 50 percent. Retheme to what we have, brand update, messaging, yep. like really more around the full service concept. And um, we're kind of, we feel like we're uniquely positioned to really help people across all acquisition, conversion, brand, you know, obviously all the functionality, development and engineering has been, been our bread and butter for 12 years now. Uh, and then even the post-launch fulfillment. So yep. a lot of what you talk about, the ERP, the integrations, yep. people just really underestimate like, Oh, we got the order. Like, okay, but getting the order is not like the business. You actually have to fulfill the order. Exactly. It's a process of payments. You have to do exactly. customer service. You have to deal with returns. You have to do retention. Like, it's if you don't get repeat orders, 
Yeah. If, if you're not getting repeat orders, like your business is dead. I don't care what yeah. you say. Like, yeah, uh, you can't survive off one time orders from, you know, and only getting new customers, you know. So we're doing all of that. And and I think people are almost like what I'm realizing. Some people like don't even believe that we can do all of it well. <laughs> uh, but that's a longer conversation. I'm not sure we'll even have time and, as to how we do it all well. <laughs> yeah. So I'm definitely interested in uh, hearing more stories, right? The more stories that we can bring in, the more perspective people are going to have in terms of, you know, how to take this journey. Because everybody is going to be probably at a different stage in their life cycle. Some people are yeah. sort of trying to understand how e-commerce works. The other folks have done this for like last 20 years. They might not be as good, right? So we yeah. are going to look into these stories. And obviously, the space is evolving, you know. The technologies, every year you have like five new technologies. So I don't know how you can keep yeah. up with that, right? That's going to be a challenge as well. So Yeah, the reason we're able to do all these things well is we do pick our battles. So yeah. we, we primarily only focus on Shopify, big commerce. We've done Magento since, you know, it's just, we know it so well. It's been, you know, almost 12 years. Yeah. And then we picked up Headless. We acquired a small Headless firm. We look at Headless as kind of its own tech stack, even though Headless ends up being uh sometimes it could be Shopify, it could be like it could be anything but yeah so it's kind of four tech stacks and then we look at the full service ecosystem around those areas so it's not like we'll work with every technology in the world like there is going to be a point where we say hey look like that's not a fit yeah. you know there are areas where we, we we don't touch and we try not to play in so that helps yeah. us be uh, the full service aspect of it you know yeah, very, very, very cool. So obviously, you know, I am really interested in some stories in terms of, uh, you know, maybe you can touch on many different stories or we can talk about the customer lifecycle. The the stories that I think I'm, I'm finding more and more interesting is we're definitely doubling down on industries and we're getting better at understanding the, the, the size and the maturity of the business, right? So I think I'll do three stories, right? Where we're seeing success with a small business, right? Yeah. People that are maybe one, two million, maybe even zero on e-commerce. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the total business is only 5 million, 10 million. They're really benefiting from our full service capabilities because they don't have time to go manage five agencies and have an email marketing agency and a dev agency. And a, they just need a smart company to help them navigate the whole yeah. space, run their, yeah. their business. And, and that's been really successful because we can come in and say, look, uh, a lot of times you, they have different problems. Sometimes it's like, look, your acquisition sucks. Yeah. You need new customers. You're small, you have no one knows who you are. Yeah. You need a new brand and you need new customers. So we'll focus on ad spend or email. Sometimes yeah. uh, I'm talking to a few $5 million businesses, small businesses, 5 million is still, we consider pretty small, Yeah. but they have a large customer database. Like they've been around for 20 years and they have a very loyal, large customer database. And I'm like, yeah, how much do you get on email and SMS? And they're like, oh, it's we get almost nothing. So to me, it's like, we're like, let's just get email. Like if, if we just get their email working well, yeah, that's an immediate lift to the business. So when we talk about the full service, it's not like we're going to do everything all at once. Right. We're going to pick the lowest hanging fruit, yeah. the areas that we think they need the most and double down on that and get that right until we move on to wherever next is in the cycle that we think needs the most help. So sometimes it's brand, sometimes yeah. it's acquisition, some, like, sometimes it's, Email and SMS, we lump email and SMS together because we see phone and email as like yeah. similar direct kind of outreach. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's integration. I mean, we just, it starts with strategy, right? Yeah. 
So we've got a couple stories in, uh, um, you know, I don't want to go too deeply, but I don't want to, I don't know how much I'm like, I'm allowed to say and how much they feel comfortable about us saying. You don't right? have but, to name them, but I mean, we are trying yeah. to understand, you know, what was the situation. We have a couple um, small businesses in the five, you know, sub 10 million range where just by focusing on email, um, we saw immediate ROI within the first, you know, one to three months by setting up like better automations, better workflows, better post-purchase email workflows yeah. and segmentation. A lot of people just don't do thoughtful segmentation based on yeah. if they buy, when they buy, what they buy, are they a repeat customer versus a new customer, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Uh, the other one is we just see a lot of poorly run can- ad campaigns on, on Meta and, and Facebook. Uh, yeah. Well, we call it Meta now, you know, Meta Network and then the Google Network and, and yeah. TikTok. So just just not not a lot of thought, <laughs> just coming in and you just quickly kind of find these quick wins. So with the smaller businesses, a lot of it is we're looking for quicker wins, right? They yeah. don't have, they can't, they can't, it doesn't make sense for them to invest in a 12 month, 18 month project, right? Yeah. They need, need to go from five to five and a half to 6 million yeah. relatively quickly. Yeah. They don't have huge cash reserves, right? Yeah. So that's, we also created a band, brand uh, Shopify package yeah. where we'll do all the rebrand and Shopify in 12 weeks. Huh. So 12 to, 12 to 18 weeks or big commerce. Yeah. We'll recap the entire brand, logo, messaging, like complete overhaul of the look and feel and the yeah. website in 12 to 18 or sorry, 12 to 18 12 weeks. weeks, weeks. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Be very clear. <laughs> 12 to 18 weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So three to four months. Yeah. Entire new brand. Sometimes it can drag out. The branding is like hard to control because they have to approve yeah. things. So there's some, you know, when I say 12 to 18 weeks, there there's caveats there. If they don't approve yeah. things, it turns around quickly. I can't. But so we've come up with a lot of quick wins with the small businesses. Yeah. Um, and usually it's either just better website, better shipping, better checkout. Yeah. Better email, better acquisition. Um, it's not rocket science, honestly. It's not. Yeah. Sometimes there are bigger problems and sometimes it's harder than other situations and sometimes there's product market fit pricing yeah. issues but but oftentimes it's not the case once you go mid-market it yeah. gets way more complex right <laughs> the story in the mid-market it, yeah. and, and i know you work erp netsuite infor like it's a whole different ball game right and that's that's a big focus of ours mid-market right so i'll take an example what i'm finding in the mid-market is just a lack of thought around all of their systems yeah and so Someone bought Salesforce Marketing Cloud. Exactly. They have Adobe Commerce that doesn't integrate with Salesforce Marketing exactly. Cloud. Then they have Nets, or they're migrating to NetSuite. They have Soligo or Boomi, whatever. Yeah, yeah. They have all these software, like expensive software, right? Like sometimes, yeah. and they're and no one's thought about how everything works. Like, <laughs> and 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 there's no one taking ownership over the middleware concept. I think yeah. there's a big misunderstanding of middleware and iPass. Yeah. So in the mid market, we're really seeing a big opportunity in iPass. Like Soligo specifically is kind of our our main partner. We're doing a little bit more with Workado now. Yeah. The other, you know, Boomi and Jitterbit and some of these other solutions. Yeah. So we're looking at the mid market more of like how do we bring all their systems together and 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 there's more. They they generally are they might have decent marketing right in the mid market. You're doing 100 yeah. million. You got to 100 million because you have some understanding of sales and marketing, right? Like. <laughs> You have to. Million, that's a successful business, theoretically, yeah. right? For the yeah, most yeah. part, yeah. you're a pretty successful business, right? You're not a $5 million business. You've gotten yeah. over, you have a sales team. Yeah. You, 
there's more infrastructure, right? And that's where the infrastructure we see is a mess. <laughs> so yeah. when we go into the mid-market, it's it's much more of a systems integration, looking at all of the, the customer lifecycle and how all the systems play together. Yeah. And in that case, usually we're not going to be full service because yeah. they're bigger and they have maybe they're really good at email or they're really yeah. good at like we're like they're really good at certain things and we'll come in and say, all right, we're gonna pick up these three things that you're not good at. We're gonna fix all those areas. And I, I'm a I personally believe if you go to any hundred, two hundred, three hundred million company, yeah, thirty percent of the software they use is is unnecessary because they bought ten analytics tools, three CRMs. Yes. They don't they bought all these tools and the tools are evolving so fast. Yeah. That the CRM now does the analytics for, that does the same thing as the analytics tool they bought separately three years yeah. ago. And no one's come in and looked at everything and said, well, how do we consolidate 30% of it? And that's where I think the big opportunity. Does that make a lot? I, that was a long story. So I kind of want to like hand that back to you and get your thoughts on that. But Yeah, um, yeah. So obviously, you know, I am always interested in digging into the problems that these companies might be trying to solve. So yeah. obviously you provided a great description overall how the smaller companies differ from the bigger ones. And by the way, right now we are yeah. at still $100 million. When we talk yeah. about... You and know, then I haven't gotten there, we'll come back to that. Yeah, <laughs> then you get to the billion plus a, and that's a whole other ballgame. Yeah, that's exactly, whole, exactly, yeah. exactly. Sometimes <laughs> we don't even know how many systems they have in their architecture. It, it's very hard you, to keep track. billion-dollar companies, you ask people how things work, and they're like, well, I got to go talk to Roger, who needs to go talk to Bill, who needs to be done. Exactly. No, exactly. They don't even know how their own company works. <laughs> Exactly, exactly, exactly. So that's a different challenge. Obviously, we play in that space as well. So we kind of know how this is, you know, it's not as simple as even on the paper, right? So it becomes very challenging. Uh, But overall, let's say, I mean, my challenge, uh, Isaiah, when I work with the, uh, sometimes it's always hard, even for them, they just don't know what they don't know. Okay, that's always the biggest problem. Okay, for example, let's say if they are working with any company, and obviously, let's say if I am the CFO or the CEO, one of the decisions that I have to make is, do I hire my own marketing people? Do I hire my own developers? Do I hire my own IT? Or do I work with a... Now, yeah. when you are going to be working with the consulting firm, the challenge that I as the CFO is going to run into is probably the cost is going to be higher. Uh, obviously, if you are thinking that, then you are probably not accounting for everything that you have in terms of the expenses. And that's why you are probably going to feel the rates are going to be slightly higher in general. I mean, that's the perception. No questions yeah. about that, right? So that's I the challenge that, that <laughs> you have to... Yeah, can we, talk, can we dig into that? Because I think that's a yeah, really yeah. important Let, Yeah, point. let's, let's do it, yeah. We're seeing certainly more companies go, oh, we're going to take stuff in-house, especially in the economic downturn. We're yeah, doing yeah. Because they think it's cheaper. And I think in some ways that is true, right? There are aspects where if you can do it in-house, you can do it well, yeah. it can be cheaper, right? Because you're paying directly for the people... There's no middleman. They don't have yeah. overhead. You don't have to deal with all the agency overhead. Where I think that their companies are misled, yeah. that that's not always the case. And it's not an either or decision. Yeah. I think my opinion is the answer is do both. Okay. And you need some in-house resources, right? Like yeah. you can't have no one running the ship. You can't just outsource your entire business, right? Like <laughs> there's a limit to how much you can outsource and there's yeah. a balance. And every company is different. So I think it depends on the company, depends on who you have. Depends on your industry, where you're at in the business. There's yeah. too many factors to say it's a one size fits all. Yeah. But the the broad answer to me is you need both. Yeah. And the reason you need both is because what agencies like Trellis provide is yeah. something you'll that most companies will never have in house. 
Yeah. We're constantly innovating on Shopify, BigCommerce, Magento, yeah. front-end technologies, yeah. e-com technology, building a culture of excellence around engineering, project management, uh, systems integrations. Like yeah. most brands with maybe some rare exceptions, yeah. you know, Amazon or something like that, you know, they're just not going to have that level of in-house talent at the scale that we offer yeah. and the flexibility, right? Yeah. Because Say you need 100 hours a month of a mix of design, project management, systems now, we call it business systems analysis, development, and QA. Yeah. We can do that all for 100 hours a month, broken into like a mix. And this sorry, sorry, sorry. You said $100 a month? Is that 100 hour? hours a month? 100, 100 hours a month. month. Okay. Maybe 100 rate at 175, 185 an hour a month, right? Let's put yeah. it at that. So yeah. let's say 18 grand a month. Okay. You're getting all those mix of people it might be seven people touching your account so let's say if i'm the cfo what am i getting higher 18 grand a month you're maybe gonna get one and a half good full-time people maybe at the level that we're yeah we can have people touch your account with different skill sets and processes that we built up over 12 years yeah and the value of that is like sometimes you need more design sometimes you need more development sometimes you need more like every month based on what's going on things change yeah and so when you go in-house you're very limited on the skill set of a much smaller team right and that team might only be good at engineering and even when you go to engineers they might only be good at back end and not yeah. front end they yeah might only be good at front end not back end they might only be good at branding not ux yeah there's so many nuances to all this kind of work that i mean there's a reason we have 75 people right yeah. and and that that trying to replace all that with three people in house, not to mention retaining those three people yeah. and not losing them. A lot of times I see people go in house, they lose the people every six months or 12 months. Yeah. They have poor documentation. It's a revolving door. And no one knows what's going on. It's always a new person picking up the people. We can be that consistently. That's why I said the answer is both yeah. because those people can use us as an extension of their team. Let's say there's two in house and our team. Now they're a team of 10 or 15 capabilities, but they don't have to actually have 15 people salary on staff. You see, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I do see. And uh, in my world, to be honest, and I don't know how many of my customers really understand the difference between front end and back end and UX. And to be honest, QA, in, our, DevOps, in, 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 yeah. our, in our yeah. world, it's called IT guy. Okay. And the IT guy is supposed to know everything. Starting from creating it's the logo. Realistic. <laughs> and that's why, that's why you get to the $100 million company and it's all a mess. And they're wasting 30% of their costs because the IT guy just, he's not going to know enough about all the systems, what systems to choose. What are you talking what, like, about? Why do they not know? Are they not qualified? <laughs> <laughs> they could be the smartest. I don't know it all. That's why I have 75 people on my team. You know, like it's just, you what can't know it all with one person, you know, or, or even I have a lot of the knowledge at a high level, but when I need to get deeper, I consult yeah. my own people. Yeah, because there are things yeah. that I just can't go deep enough on myself. You are so. so right to be honest. I mean, if you compare this with, let's say, manufacturing, okay, manufacturing people understand because they have seen it, they can see it, they can touch it, they can feel it, right? So when you go to manufacturing, you yeah, why are can't not going you to make a car. Why can't you make a, an entire car by yourself? Exactly. Like, exactly. Go, go make me a, a Tesla, just you right now, like with your bare hands. Just you know what I mean? Call, it's like, you car guy, you go and make a Tesla for me right now. You car guy, why can't you do it? <laughs> and I want that in $20,000. Can you do that? <laughs> yeah, obviously, I mean, you need to understand the process of anything, whether you are cooking in a kitchen or, you know, whatever you are doing. 
and irrespective of whether it is going to be software implementation, software development, doesn't matter. Even if you are implementing the package software, it, it still has to go through the process. And most times when you are seeing these issues, to be honest, it's just the maturity, the understanding, the customer's understanding. They don't understand how to respect the process. And then they complain that, you know, things don't work. Things don't work because... The other problem is I think there's just so many vendors in the market that if I want a quote from you, I could probably go out and find 10 cheaper quotes. If I Yeah. If you want a cheaper quote, you can always find someone that'll give you a cheaper quote. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like the the... The value gets devalued because of just a lack of understanding. And why are we more expensive than the shop next door? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think there's also a price problem too in the market just because there's not really any like barrier to entry, right? Anyone can just be like, I'm your IT guy, right? Like I'm your shop. <laughs> like, Everybody's you know an IT mean? guy like, these days. These are these days. Yeah. I'm the marketer. I'm your digital marketer. I'm your ad exactly. expert. I'm your SEO expert. I'm like, okay. Like what, 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 what's to stop someone from, you know, they could just be really good at sales. Yeah. So yeah, very interesting conversation. So obviously, you know, let's go back a little bit in terms of the approach that you had mentioned that you can probably do in uh, three, four weeks. And in our customer base, when we are in the similar engagement, and I don't know if you guys have the same problem or not. And one of the things that is my favorite always is going to be politics. Okay. And the bigger the organization, the more politics you are going to be. Well, let's go into the enterprise, right? Yeah. So, I mean, the mid-market, the 100 million, you start to get into politics. Yeah. But one of the reasons I love the mid-market is it's still tolerable, right? Like, you can maybe talk to the CEO or the owner or you can go. It's not usually that bad. There's politics, but it's not like, you know, I don't feel like the mid-market is like ruined, is like too much politics, but sometimes it is. Yeah. yeah. Go to the enterprise. When you go into the 500 million, the billion, the 2 billion, the 10 billion, yep. the companies are. Welcome to Super Bowl. <laughs> it's going to get competitive. Huge, <laughs> bad decisions because of politics. Yeah. I don't know if it's the guy trying to protect his job. No. I don't know if he please his boss. I don't know if he just doesn't like it. There's just so much political yeah. you know, nuances to the large companies. And that's where it just becomes a whole different ballgame. It's hard to navigate. A lot of times they pick technologies because they just know Salesforce and Salesforce is their friend. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, you get more of those kind of like decisions, I think, in the enterprise. You know? Yeah. And that's what I want to touch. I mean, see, when you talk about the brand, the logo, you know, these are very emotional, religious things that people sort of want to keep to their chest. Yeah. And you are saying, hey, I'm going to replace your logo. I'm going to replace your branding. Yeah. Uh, within well, three, we're not doing a lot of rebrands for billion dollar companies. Let me be clear. Like, I'm not pitching rebrands to billion dollar companies. Like that is not that is not something where with our enterprise customers we find, especially at our size, and you know we don't have a massive sales team and sales yeah. infrastructure. We typically go in for a more specific purpose. It's, yeah, maybe it's just development, and maybe it's just marketing. Maybe it's just some. It's usually honestly development or technology because yeah, there's just so much work that needs to be done on integrations or whatever it may be that there could be hundreds of hours a month. Yeah. Just one service that they need. And that's where we'll focus when it comes to the enterprise. Um, that's, that's generally been how we've worked with the enterprise. Yeah. That's not to say better ways to do it. It's just kind of where we are realistically. 
Yeah, yeah, very interesting. And and I want to touch on one more comment that you mentioned, and this is the challenge that we face. And in some cases, it's very hard to get results. And I think you spoke about this one on one of the LinkedIn posts as well. And that is going to be, and I don't know, again, if it is because, you know, somebody's trying their job, but sometimes that could be because of the power struggle that they, and this is not a billion dollar company, okay? So here we are talking about marketing versus finance versus supply chain. Everybody's sort of trying to protect their own guards in terms of how they want to approach. And here you have your marketing, they could be on Magento, they deployed it, but they are not getting the right data that they need from the procurement, from operations, from finance. And because of that, the experience is going to be all over the place. Sure, they can take a little bit of shortcuts inside the marketing layer, but unless there is an alignment across the enterprise, even if it is like very small company, you still need because you are operating on the same product same customers, same vendors. So these systems need to be talking to each other. And sometimes because of power struggle, if my Magento person says that, you know what, I'm not moving away from that, or I want to stick to this, and then I have my OMS layer, which could have their own sort of uh, architecture, then might have WMS guy. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys see this? I think, often yeah, in I mean, it's definitely job protection. It's also fear of change. Yeah, I think it's also lack of leadership. I, I see a lot of lack of leadership in cross-department. I think a lot of companies get really departmentalized and the IT guy focuses on Microsoft because he's like done Microsoft for 20 years and all he knows is ASP.net. And yeah. But the reality is there's probably better ways to do certain things in certain areas. And then marketing fights with IT. I think the problem is there's more and more overlap between yeah. departments than ever has been before. Exactly. IT, e-commerce is IT, but it's also sales, it's also marketing. Yeah. Marketing is our tech. <laughs> it's integrations, it's data science, is that IT? Is it sales? Because there's sales and marketing are overlap more and more now. Yeah. Marketing is getting leads or new business, but yeah. sales is closing it. But I think the problem that I'm seeing today is that there's not enough leadership that is bridging the gap. And we yep. need more leaders that can, and that's what I try and do is understand. Maybe I'm not the best expert in the world at every division, but I understand yeah. finance, operations, all these things well enough Yeah, to tell when someone is maybe biased too far in their department and not yeah. thinking about the whole organization as a whole. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I try and kind of break down those barriers and think about like, okay, I get that this is better for finance, but maybe it's, we make this change, it'll be slightly worse for the, for finance, but better for the overall organization. And once they adapt, it'll be better for everybody. You know what I mean? Like, because some of these short-term changes, yes, there's immediate pain. There's immediate pain for the OMS guy to learn a new OMS. And there's yeah. immediate pain for the guy to learn the new e-commerce platform. So there is immediate short-term problem for that one person. But is it better for the overall organization? And I don't think a lot of people can either make those decisions because they just yeah. don't know or they just don't take the time to like learn learn enough about it, what everyone else is. And it shouldn't really come from the, the top leaders, the CEOs, the executives, the vice presidents. Yeah. The leadership. That's why I say it's a fail, lack of leadership. Yeah, could not agree more. We are definitely living in a world of leadership crises. And if we had really the top guy who understood how to sort of balance the expectations, then we would probably not have as many problems in general. So now I am going to layer in another aspect that we were discussing sort of on our LinkedIn thread, which is going to be long-term versus, and that is also yeah. a very important perspective in general, okay? So sales and marketing, you know, they are going to be on top. Obviously, they need to deliver results. Yeah, I think everyone's <laughs> lowering their targets. They're realizing sales are down, marketing's harder. 
that's why the post I made today is about, look, I mean, it's going to be really hard to sell a 12-month ERP migration project, 12-month e-com replatform, or even a six-month, whatever. Because, I mean, you have to do the math. It's pretty simple, right? A six-month project is not going to get you ROI in seven months. Yep. Because it's going to cost you time and money over six months, unless some miracle happens in the first month sales skyrocket, which is yeah. probably not going to happen from a six-month project in one month. Yeah. You're talking about a 12, 18, two-month, two-year ROI on a six. Like, yeah. ROI might be double the life cycle of the project. You see, you see what I'm saying? So, like, a 12-month project might take two to three years to get the full ROI. Yeah. Because yeah. you need the next year to recoup the ROI of all the costs you just spent not having the thing running for 12 months, right? You spent a million dollars replacing your ERP. You don't get any benefits until it's live. You know what I mean? The new one. Yeah. Live. Yeah. And that's why I think you have companies like Southwest that kick the, kick the can down the corner. And I think especially this has happened in the PE firms. The PE firms have really kicked the can down the corner. They bought all these companies. There's a bunch of tech debt and they've, they're realizing there's a lot of tech debt and they've kicked the can to maximize margins. Some of that's coming to, to light, you know, um, South, I think Southwest is the example, right? That's the one where um, the flights were down. Yeah, Southwest, like uh, I know people want to talk about Southwest, to be honest. I, the people who are talking about that, I don't think they really understand how airline business. Okay. So in the case of airlines, you are not going to have like the traditional. Okay. It's a very different business, the way it works from the IT. Yeah. I, I'm not saying I'm an expert <laughs> on the technology, but from what I understand, there was a technology failure. Is that correct? That's. Yeah. 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 But I mean, technology could fail because of so many different things. And sometimes that the problem is not necessarily technology. Sometimes the technology capacity is the problem. So the way I like to think about technology capacity, it's almost like supply chain planning. Okay, there is no way in the world that you are going to produce the inventory that everybody wants at this minute. Okay, it doesn't work that way. Okay, you have the finite amount of money, finite amount of time, and based yeah, on you that, you are producing something. Yeah, you <laughs> exactly, and that, that's how IT capacity works. <laughs> that's how IT capacity yeah. works. Okay, so, so do you think it was an IT capacity failure, not a technology failure at Southwest? It could be so many different things, but when the fluctuations are going to be there in the capacity, even if you are going to be on the cloud, it's very hard to estimate, and the reason why airlines businesses get trickier in general is because they are operating on something that is almost like uber in nature or stock exchange the yeah, way yeah. They, it works very as dynamic. very dynamic in real time yeah so and the number of users that are accessing the system are far more than a business is ever going to have so in that case you have the brokers the reservation agents the core system saber or yeah. The MADS that they use underneath, it's very different <laughs> from what you would see well, in the traditional commerce world. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, is that Southwest hadn't updated their technologies. They're, they had kicked the can down the road on, on many things, including technology and maybe te IT capacity, to focus on short-term profits. They brought in new CEOs that were finance people. They weren't, they weren't in the weeds operators. They are finance <laughs> people that, that focused on the bottom line. And my point is, they kick the can down the road. And so, and I think the reason companies do that is because part of it is if you're trying to sell the company in a year or you're trying to post quarterly earnings, yeah. a three-year or a year project that doesn't ROI for two to three years <laughs> doesn't show up on your quarterly earnings for three years. You know what I mean? So 
I guess going back to my original point is that yeah. I think that this happens a lot in business and it's happening. It's going to happen a lot now because yeah. no one's going to want to do, you know, more than so in the recession, these big long ROI projects, which is an opportunity, by the way, because if you can pull some of those off, you may be light years away of your competitors in two, three years. But what I think that there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a middle ground where maybe you start with a small piece, right? Like yeah. maybe you, Fix checkout, improve checkout, improve, improve a piece of the pie, not the whole pie. And that's where I think like everyone needs to be thinking more about, right? And I'm not, I think there's some, some criticism on the post about like, oh, if you only do that, you just do NFTs. Like I'm not saying pivot your whole business and start peddling <laughs> NFTs. Yep. I'm saying people like you or me, where we sometimes do 12 month projects. Yeah. We don't only have to do that service. There are other things we can do that help customers in a shorter time. Yeah, exactly. There's always going to be a path. And that's why, you know, I mean, I don't know if you share this opinion or not. And you can tell me if you agree with me or not. Typically, we like to see some sort of roadmap and roadmap always in designing where you are trying to get to. You don't have to implement everything right away. But if you have sort of a map and then figure out, okay, what is my fine slice that I want to implement? Sales, marketing, supply chain, whatever may be impacting the results that you are trying to get. And as you correctly pointed out, that everything is super connected these days. Okay, just because you are going to fix your sales and marketing, it's not going to fix other things, right? Because if the foundation is weak, it's just harder, harder to yeah, or get you fix sales and marketing, and then all of a sudden you can't handle the volume, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. You know, you have these. That's always, I think, one of the hardest things, and we struggle with it. Is how do you balance your investments in um, <clears throat> sales and marketing to drive new business, yeah. but also capacity and delivery, so that you know when you get it, you can handle it and it doesn't fall down. There's this balancing act. You can't overinvest it one or the other, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is always the hardest part. And that's what I I like to call, you know, whether you want to call supply chain planning or operations planning, it's a rocket science in general, you know, and I don't think it is going to get any easier anytime soon (laughs) because this is the supply. I almost feel like it's like better (laughs) to just try not to over plan because you may spend a bunch of time planning for something that's just so far off what's going to end up happening. Yeah. You're almost better off putting your energy into just, Things that you know yeah. are going to help grow the business, right? You know yeah. that focusing on LinkedIn for me once a day generally helps the business, right? Like there's mm-hmm. some things I know and I need to double down on some of those things, you know, rather than trying to forecast something that's probably not going to be accurate in 12 months. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, man. So that's it for today. Do you have any last minute closing advice for our listeners? Yeah, I mean, I think that people... In this environment, in this economy, we're in unprecedented times, honestly. Uh, yep. I talked to one of my long-standing customers that's pretty, pretty successful guy. Yeah. You know, he's been around for a long time. He's pretty big business. Yeah. And he's like, no one knows. Like anyone that says they know is lying because we've never seen 0% interest rates from 2009 to yep. whatever, 2022 to all of a sudden zero to four now. And we'll yeah. be at five probably soon. So we had this crazy 13-year period of unprecedented free money, yeah, huh. inflation, whatever you want to call it. Now with this new, very quick rising interest rates, we're just we're in very unprecedented times. Yeah, and it is it is a little scary. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I think it's it's hard to predict things. But if there's one thing I would say that I would recommend people do is talk to people like me. I'm I, like I will always have a free conversation with anyone if you're a zero dollar business all the way up to the biggest businesses, of course, obviously, yeah. and have more conversations and get more advice and, and think about things differently, right? A lot of people 
I'll have conversations with people and they're like, oh, I like I was talking to this one company that has an RFP out. And I was like, look, guys, like I can get you a quote. But if you can't get me detail, they couldn't even tell me the ERP they're using. It just says integrate with ERP. I'm like, dude, give me a if code. We can't, if we can't dig into your ERP, like, why are we even talking? Like, what are? I think people need to have more conversations up front. Really yeah. be more thoughtful about what they're doing and not yeah. dive into buying software on a whim. There's just there's been a lot of bad decisions because of the free money in the past 12 years, and it's because you could get away with it, honestly. Yeah. And I think you need to have more conversations with people like you. If I was buying an ERP, I would talk to people like you, 10 people like you, and try and really figure out what is the right ERP for my business. Because everyone's going to be some biased. I'm biased, right? Yeah, yeah. You should not be a little biased, right? Like, And I think you need to spend however long it takes to get as much different information to make the right decision. Yeah, could not agree more. And my personal takeaway from this conversation is going to be, be really kind to yourself, especially in this market. Think through your decisions. Yeah. Uh, don't rush into them. And market is definitely going to be rough, but it doesn't mean that opportunities are not there. Opportunities the one are going to be- positive thing I will say is that in situations like this, if you can navigate through it, you there is always an opportunity to come out way ahead of the competition. Because if everyone's down, but you're down less, you're still ahead, right? Like- <laughs> smart yeah. people are good at figuring that out they want to go slow but they want to figure out the opportunity so yeah great thought really appreciate it. thanks sam let's do this again i mean uh in a year a lot will change and i'll have more more new information <laughs> exactly so. yeah I, i'd love to have you obviously you know uh you are part of the industry and you know it's always good to uh, get perspective from the industry right so it's always fun so thank you so much for the conversation. Thank you so much for being generous with your time. Obviously, we have a lot of collaboration that we are going to do. So thank you so much once again for the episode. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Thanks for getting me on. Of course. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Isaiah, head over to trellis.co. It's C-R-E-L-L-I-S dot co links and more information will also be available in the show notes also don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds if you have any questions or comments about the show please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or dm me on any social channels i'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help thank you and i hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.